0: I of mean, you're glad that Jesus is the cornerstone. Amen. Amen. Everything that we do is just built off of him and his love uh, for us. And so uh, thank you for being here on a Wednesday night. Thank you for coming out and uh, having the discipline to worship with us in a midweek. I know that many of you in the room uh, have rushed here uh, from your office uh, to come and worship. And to be uh, just ministered to, so thank you for uh, being here. Thank you so much uh, for all the wonderful volunteers uh, that are uh, here every Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, it's amazing the hundreds of uh, volunteers that say yes. Uh, you know, I'm coming and doing uh, my part uh, in building the kingdom of God. Uh, and so let me let me encourage you to do this as you kind of make your way. Uh, from Sunday to Wednesday and other special events. If you see someone that is serving the body, uh, take just a moment to say thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for uh, being here and, and giving some extra time. I, I see almost a, a room full of people that do just that. But uh, if you're one that's just kind of receiving, make sure that you give the compliment. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a there's a group of people uh, that's serving us right now and. Uh, when I came on staff Uh, here seven years ago. It's hard to believe that it's been seven years now. Uh, I'm having the time of my life uh, being able to serve with this incredible staff, but I had no idea that there were a handful of volunteers uh, in the control room that kind of control the lights, the audio, the video, and the chances of uh, you ever coming across them to say thank you uh, is probably pretty slim, uh, probably rare that you would ever find the room. I didn't even know that we had a control room uh, I was just uh, attending church here and doing my part. Uh, but if you guys can do something for me tonight, uh, they're, they're up there. They're working hard. Can you guys put your hands together? So, guys, here it is right here for you. Thank you for all that you're doing and making sure that... Uh, that we kind of make our way through the service. And uh, one more thing, uh, just uh, Saturday morning, i got to tell you, Pastor Jeff, I already mentioned it, it's going to be a wonderful, uh, wonderful time that we come together. We're knocking on the door of close to 400 guys that will be here uh, and uh, just enjoy a wonderful breakfast. Uh, But then come in your work clothes. Let me say this, come in your work clothes uh, because immediately following the breakfast, Uh, We want to go out and partner with Pastor Mike Cooper at the Dream Center. This is first Saturday. And we're saying, hey, as as soon as we're fed up and we're full with all of that goodness, we then get to work it off, okay, for two hours from 10 to 12. And so please join us. If you're going to be here on Saturday, we'll immediately make our way out to the Dream Center and put in a a good two hours. How many of you wives, women in the house will make sure that your husband leaves with the appropriate attire on? Kind of lift your hand up, wave at me real quick. Okay, I'm not doing very well tonight, so... I know you've got your honeydew list, but please give us two hours on Saturday to come and let's uh, do a great work at the Dream Center. Uh, It's hard to believe. um, uh, The more seasoned I become, that's just the way I like to say, the older that i become, it seems like the days and the weeks and the years just continue uh, to fly by now. I mean, just just at a rapid pace. Does anyone else, can that? does that resonate with you? It just seems like, man, the years are just going by. Uh, a year ago, Kelly and I, uh, my lovely wife, we were here, and we were in great anticipation of the arrival uh, of our grandson, Judah. We were counting down the days. Uh, this was the month, October, that Judah would arrive, and, uh, and of course, that day came, and And uh, he and uh, his parents, uh, our son Grant, and our daughter Brittany, of course, live uh, in Jacksonville, North Carolina, Camp Lejeune. He's a United States Marine, so he's doing uh, his thing and serving our nation. And so Judah came on the scene, and uh, it has just been uh, an amazing year. Uh, just to see this little guy grow. And, and we've had just a few moments uh, with him uh, actually to be in the same room knowing that they live there, we live here, a couple of visits here and there. But uh, man, technology today is a wonderful thing that with just a, a press of a button, uh, all of a sudden FaceTime is activated or some type of service is activated and we can kind of have a video chat. And so we're, we're thrilled with that. Anybody, any other grandparents just love that, that technology where we're at now to where you can kind of just connect whenever you want to. Uh, I, I can tell you that uh, even at this early age in Judah's life, we, we kind of dial him up and he's already starting to get his own little personality Uh, and, uh, and, and recently he and his, uh, parents were at a wedding, uh, and some of you parents in the house, you, this, this will kind of resonate with you. Um, they went to the wedding and were hoping to be able to set through uh, the wedding, but Judah had, uh, another idea. And so, uh, he and his father, uh, while the wedding's going on, uh, because Judah wasn't just doing what he was supposed to do, uh, just kind of, uh. Uh, bowed up, and they had to make their way back out to the car and just sit in the car uh, and kind of do their thing. And I wanted to share that video with you tonight. Take a look at this great video.
1: Oh. Ah.
0: Isn't that amazing? I, I have no idea. Here it's, I, I don't know... Yeah, you can clap. Go ahead. It's, it's a great moment. Pastor Jeff, all of a sudden I'm standing here and it hit me. He, he, it finally resonated with him that his father's a Georgia Bulldog fan and he was having nothing to do with it whatsoever. It was his frustration. I gotta tell you that Kelly and I, that, that video, they posted that video, I don't know, probably a, let's say a month or so ago, and we have, we have, replayed that video time after time. Matter of fact, Kelly and I were in the car uh, just on Friday night and and we're riding along and she's playing this video over and over and we're both just cracking up. That's what grandparents do. You know, we look at the silliness and and I'm thinking, man, he has got a personality. Oh, yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes, 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 give it to your dad all. Bring it all to your dad. Amen, in Jesus' name but man, we have hit those buttons, man, and we can just hit that button, and all of a sudden it resets and it plays all over again, over and over and over again. I can tell you that there are gaming systems uh, and computers, they all have that reset button that you can can press, and and we press that button with the hopes that, hey, there's gonna be a fresh start, there's a, a clean slate, everything becomes new again, And even when we're doing life, whether we're churched or unchurched, there are moments that we call for a time out and we hit that reset button with the hopes that there's going to be a new beginning, that we get to start life over once again, or we get to start a new season in our lives once again. There's a pastor, a great pastor, Pastor Gannon, uh, that pastors a church in, uh, in Kansas, and one day he tells the story that he received a phone call from a young woman. And the one young woman's on the other line and asked this question, Pastor, can I come to your church? And in his story he tells, I'm, I'm totally shocked, I'm floored that I'm pastoring a congregation and trying to equip the congregation to go out into the community and invite people. And it was a first time, first experience that I've ever had anyone call me as I'm sitting in my office and asked the question, can I come to your church? And he said, of course you can come. Why would you even ask that question? You can come to our church. And she said, well, before you give me the final answer, let me just share with you my story. And she goes on to tell her story and saying that uh, whenever she was a younger woman, a junior in high school, she had made a, a, a bad choice. And as a result of that bad choice had become pregnant. And now the, the young man that was the father was nowhere around, and, and she was, of, of course, getting to that point in that season, knowing that now she's pregnant with child, as a junior in high school, saying, I need a reset in my life. I need a new beginning. Let me go back to the church that I attended when I was a much younger girl, and I can kind of blend in, and hopefully I'll be received and I'll be loved in hopes of having that new beginning. And she says, I'm growing and, and I'm developing my faith as I'm, as I'm now becoming more and more pregnant. And I'm thinking, well, surely there's someone that I can share my testimony with. And so I called the pastor of that church, the church that I grew up in, and said, I'd, I'd love to be able to share with just a few of the girls and in the, the, in, in sharing with them the stress and the pressures of dating and the importance of making right decisions and not to be a part of premarital sex. Let me, let me speak to these girls. And, and he said, of course, I can never allow that is his response to her because I would have a fear that someone like you would rub off on them and that they too would make a poor choice, a poor decision. And the pastor's on the phone hearing this story. Of course, she felt the rejection. And continues to attend the church, gives birth to the child. Months goes by. Said, "Well, let me. I want to continue to develop my faith, and I know that I should. I should bring my child and have my child dedicated." And so I call the pastor once again and say, "I'd, I'd love to be able to take that next step. I see so many babies being dedicated. Can you dedicate my baby?" I'm sorry. I could never dedicate an illegitimate child. The devastation of Pastor Gannon on the phone to hear this. Just someone that's getting up out of their chair and wanting to simply go and press that button say, I need a reset in my life. I need a new chapter. How many of you know That God's love, God's grace, says that it's never too late for a new beginning. That's God's love. And there's story after story throughout the Bible in the Old Testament. And I think of the story of Samson and found in Judges chapter 13 through 16, where it tells Samson's story. An individual that is, that is separated, that is, is, is tabbed to be a Nazarite, someone that would be completely and devoted to God. And for those that are in the house or watching online, what did that, what did that mean to be a Nazarite? That there would be a vow, complete, total uh, devotion unto God, that you would never touch the vine, any grapes or any wine, that there would never be a razor to touch your head, and that you would never touch a dead carcass, of any kind, the the Nazarite vow that would be made. And this is something that that Samson took on. Of course, uh, it tells in in Judges 13 through 16, all that took place but the most familiar story, and many of you know it in the house, would be Samson and who? Samson and Delilah. Samson and Delilah. Uh, Whether you've grown up in the church at some point, somewhere along the way, unchurched church, you've heard of Samson and Delilah. And here's, here's a person that has been tapped to lead, lead the children of Israel out of bondage from the Philistines, but yet his, his life is marked so much with sin, is marked with uncontrollable lust, marked with uncontrollable passions. This is, this is Samson, and he falls into really a forbidden relationship if if I can just put it this way, uh, uh, he is the leader of the Jewish people, and he's basically now at a point so steeped in his sin that he is he is sleeping with the enemy. That is who who Delilah is, and many of you know the story that the Philistines come and say, "Hey hey, we need to capture Samson because he has wreaked havoc." That even all beyond all of the corruption, the sin, God is still resting upon him. It tells us that the Spirit of God would come upon him and he would just wipe out hundreds, if not thousands, of Philistines. And the Philistines said, listen, Delilah, if you, if you can, we will make you a rich woman. If you can just, just get us Samson. Tell us what his strength is and what is how does he become weak? And you guys can read for yourself in chapter 16, wherever Delilah is, begins to to pull him in. And he and she's asking the question, what is it that makes you so strong? How would we subdue you? And he's so steeped in this, this relationship in sin. He begins to tell her, said, Listen, if you take seven, seven thongs, straps of leather, and bind me. He said, surely that's what will subdue me. And, of course, she does that and calls out, says, Samson, hey, the Philistines are upon you. And he snaps them with ease. No trouble, no difficulty whatsoever. Just snaps it. And she's frustrated that he's not told her the truth. And she plays this scenario over again. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you this time, it's all with the new rope. If you get a new rope that's never been used and you bind me up, I can tell you that the new rope is what will hold me down. And she goes through the whole scenario once again and calls out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he gets up and he's bound with a rope and just snaps the rope and just takes the Philistines out. And again, it's played again in a third time. And by this time, don't you surely love me? When you talk about the blindness, how many of you guys would probably after the first or second time kind of catch the drift that something's going on here, okay? Maybe this is not a healthy relationship. Maybe I should start pursuing someone with my own tribe. Let me just kind of step away from Delilah at this point and pursue someone that God would be pleased with. I I don't know about you, but I think there would be something that would be going off inside of me. Maybe there's a different way, but they play it through it again. And she says, listen, what is it? He says, if you just kind of take my hair, and braid it, sew it into the fabric. And that is, that's the answer. That's what will happen. You guys know the results. She calls on uh, Samson, and the Philistines run out, and he once again just slaughters them. And she just keeps on him, keeps on him, keeps on him, keeps on him. And he finally, that day comes. He says, listen, I'm a Nazirite. I'm going to tell you, as a Nazirite, there's no razor that's ever touched my head. If you cut my hair, that's where I lose my strength. She puts him to sleep. The Philistines come in and they do just that. She calls out, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are here. And then in his mind, he has that moment, he begins to shake, he believes he's going to shake them off, and he begins to realize that his strength is gone. The greater danger. The greater danger is the fact that the Spirit of God had departed from Samson. It says that whenever they they arrested him, whenever they were able to capture him, that they put the shackles on him, and they simply took their fingers or some instrument, and that they reached into his eye sockets, and they gouged out his eyes. And they fastened him to the grinder in the prison. And in verse 22 of chapter 16, it says this just random piece of information that is shared, just stick it right in there. We're talking about eyes are gouged out, subdued, tied to a grinder. And then it says this, that his hair began to grow which is a symbol that all of a sudden that God's love begins to saturate him once again in his most desperate time, that there is an inward rebirth that is taking place, that he can remember the vow of a Nazarite, and the hair begins to grow. It's said that it takes about a year for six inches of growth for most men. I know it's been a long time for some of you in the room, and it's bald up there. I can tell you, God loves you. Don't worry, God loves you. But about a year for six inches, and so Samson, no sight, but yet he could feel. It says that he's brought out before the Philistines as they begin to celebrate that they have conquered Samson. And that in that moment, whenever they're, they're jumping around and ridiculing him and making fun of him, that he asked to be leaned against the pillars. And in that moment, in his reset moment, says that he prays to God. And he says, Oh sovereign Lord, remember me. Oh sovereign Lord, remember me. And stories like that are told over and over and over again that with God's love, it's never too late for a new beginning. That as Jesus is making his way to a place that's called the skull, the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, it's recorded in Matthew and Mark and Luke. And Mark and Matthew speak that the two thieves that were being crucified with our Lord and Savior along with the religious leaders, along with the community leaders, along with the Roman leaders were hurling insults. Come down from the cross. You can save man, save yourself. Who are you? Come down from the cross. And Luke begins to tell his version of what transpired and what took place, that in that moment, the the insults are coming the embarrassment is there to know that he's hanging on the cross and God's love is manifested. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know what, not what they do. To know that that's, that's what is expressed. Not let the fire of heaven come down and scorch every person here. That's the Tim Blackburn response burn up my enemies but here's Jesus hanging on the cross and he says father forgive them for they know what they know not what they do and in that moment that you can read it for yourself in Luke chapter 23 it says that the one thief all of a sudden experiences the love of god and recognizes who's hanging on the cross and for the very first time has has an awakening a spiritual awakening someone that should is responding to the other the thief we deserve to be here but not this one we deserve where justice is being served but not this one not this one don't you fear god and what does he say unto jesus in that same moment the same words that samson uttered Lord, remember me. Lord, remember me. God has something for us tonight. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's a wonderful passage that Paul brings to us as he's writing to the church of Corinth and he's trying to settle their dissension and disagreements of the early church when we talk about that it's never too late for a new beginning. And he says in verse 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And the question is for us tonight, who is it Who is it that deserves a new beginning? That's the question for tonight. Who is it that deserves? Paul writes, therefore anyone who is in Christ. Anyone that is in Christ, that is the person that deserves the new beginning. Does not matter the race, the color of their skin, their social status, high class, low class, or middle class. He's writing to them, to the church, and saying, anyone, they are a new creation, symbolizing that there is a rebirth that takes place, that whenever Jesus Christ comes in, you are a new creation, Amen a new creation. And I love where he continues on and he says that the old is gone. The old has passed away. And I, and this is and the new has come. This is for somebody in the house tonight. That yes, we have our sins. We have our past. But we serve a risen Savior that has no memory of our past that when we become a new creation, he no longer sees that. So if he no longer sees that, why do we continue to hold on to the things of the past and say, I'm bound by those things of the past? Whenever Paul writes in the word, he says, you're a new creation, which means all the old is gone, it's wiped away. That's liberating for the followers of Christ to know that, man, we have been set free and that there's new, the new has come. Who is it? Who is it that gives us this? Who is it that gives us this creation? It comes from God alone. Not a religious leader, not a pastor of a church, not a church board, but it comes from God Almighty. The grace of God, the love of God, grace wins every time. Whenever God is in the presence of his people, grace wins every, every time. That's why whenever people walk onto this campus on a Wednesday night and Sunday, and they come and they say, "Hey, Wednesday night I'm in divorce to care, the, in divorce care, those individuals are saying, "Man, I need a new beginning. There needs to be a reset in my life." And we say, "Come on, there's a new beginning for you. Those individuals that are in the rooms uh, for substance abuse. What a great place for them to come onto this campus and to say because of the grace of God and the love of God, there's a new beginning for those individuals. How many of you are grateful in this room tonight that God no longer sees your past, but he says there's a new day, there's a new birth that's taking place within you. That's the God that we serve, that it slaps the performance-based theology in the face and says that legalism has no place in God's economy because grace wins every time. That's the God that we serve. And so what do we do with that tonight? Here's what we can do. No matter where you're at in your walk, some of you are here tonight, you haven't even started the walk with Jesus. And we say, welcome. Because God's love says there's a new beginning for you. That we can come tonight into these altars and say, I need a new beginning. Lord, I need to be able to reach and hit that reset button one more time. I know that your love is there and your word is true. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and that we too can come and say Lord remember me those words are still powerful still heard by a forgiving God imagine with me for just a moment what our church will look like If when people walk onto this campus, they feel the love of God, that single mom, that teenager that is wayward, that child that is wanting to come back home, and they walk onto a campus that is saturated with kindness, saturated with forgiveness, that exhibits God's love. It says, come as you are. I'll tell you what we will be. We will be the church of Jesus Christ, full of love and hope. We will be a a church that says and believes that it's never too late for a new beginning. So Father, we bow our heads in your presence tonight. You do what only you can do. God, you know the people that are in this room that are hurting and desperately need to hit a reset button. I pray, God, that they would have the courage, Lord, the boldness, the strength to know that they can come to this altar and that they will be loved and not chastised and not ridiculed and not tormented But they can come freely and say, yes, I need a new beginning in my life. And we know, Father, that if we simply are calling on you for the very first time, it begins with a prayer. A prayer that says, Lord, wash me clean. Make me new. Make me a new creature tonight. Take my sins away. Let a new chapter begin. And Lord, you tell us in your word that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we shall be saved. And so, Father, we rejoice for those individuals that may be saying that prayer in the house tonight. We rejoice with those individuals that may be watching online, and they are pressing that reset button time after time after time after time, saying, I'm ready to serve Jesus Christ, Lord. And we pray for that person that's in the house tonight, that is on that journey, but yet they're saying, yes, I've, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But tonight I'm ready to let go of the past, that if, if, if you had forgotten the past, Lord, who am I to say that I can hold on to it? Let them see who they are, a new creation in you. So Father, I pray now that as these altars begin to open and the worship team begins to sing, Lord, you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, begin to move within our congregation and draw men and women to this altar, Father, because their new beginning awaits them.
1: You make all things new. Yes, you make.
0: stand with me tonight. So Father, we thank you, God, for making things new. Thank you for uh, those, Lord, that are responding tonight, God, whether it be here in the house or online. I pray, God, that we would leave this place, Father. Lord, and at some point throughout the week, God, Lord, if your Spirit moves upon us I pray, God, that we would indeed lift our hands and simply say, remember me, Lord. And we know that you have not forgotten us. Your word tells us that you would never leave us nor forsake us. So, Father, we stand upon that promise. I pray for every person that's in the house tonight, special favor and blessing upon them. I pray that you would give them an incredible week as we move forward. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I can tell you. The young lady found a place that loved her and accepted her. She and her daughter today are serving as missionaries in the world. Amen. That's what happens when God's love and grace wins and there's a new beginning. So we can celebrate what God did in her life. But I know God's doing great things in your life. I know that you're ready to get out of here. Let me say this. Let's have a great rest of the week, but then come back on Sunday ready to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. God bless. Have a good week.